This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You know, I feel like Joy Fielding and I could sit here and talk about the books that we are (laughs) reading right now all afternoon, but the best-selling author is here to talk about her books, actually. You've probably seen one of the many that she has written. Maybe it was The Bad Daughter, She's Not There, Someone Is Watching. I mean, you name it. She has sold more than 25 million copies worldwide. I would say she's probably Canada's most beloved thriller writer, and she's been doing this way before these books became popular in the latest kind of genre trend. Wouldn't you say that's true? Yeah, actually, they, I mean, I'm told that I kind of started this whole thing, which I, you know, I, I, I didn't realize, of course, when you're doing things, but way back, you know, I was, I've been doing this for a long time. And yes, it's suddenly very, very popular. Oh, it sure is. Her latest book, the tw- 29th? 20, 28th, I 29th, believe. 28th, 29th? It, tw- I think it's 28th. I, I counted count them right them. this morning. I have yeah. to count, is it, well, it could be also because I did one, a, a little a short little book for uh, to help readers, beginner readers. Right. Uh, this one is called All the Wrong Places. It is out now. I'm holding it in my hands, and I am very excited to check this one out. Uh, you also love to read. Yes, I do. Like that's So how do you balance that with... Uh, Turning out a book a year. I mean, well, I'm, I'm slowing down a little bit right now. So um, I actually, when I'm working on a book, when I'm writing, I find it very difficult to read. And if I do read anything, it's mostly nonfiction because I find nonfiction easier to read than fiction. Really? Yeah, well, in, um, because it doesn't require the same level of commitment or concentration. You know, you don't have to really immerse yourself in another world. You can pick it up and put it down and you just kind of absorb information. It's not, it it doesn't require kind of sticking with it to the same way that a novel does. Right. And um, so I find when I'm working on a novel, if I'm reading another novel, it's like an intrusion of another voice. I can and, see that, yeah. and also I get tired. You know, I'm, I'm tired of sitting in front of the computer all day or however long I sit. And, uh, and just the concentration and, and my eyes get tired. And, and when I would normally then read, all I want to do is watch junk TV. I, I really don't want to concentrate. I feel like we're soulmates. Yes. <laughs> It's just, but when I'm traveling or when we're in Florida or on holiday anywhere, then that's when I do the bulk of my reading. Well, now, you know, you live this, you know, you read, you travel, you do things that all seems all very straightforward. Then where do you come up with some of these very evil and twisty things that happen in your books? <laughs> because I'm really a very evil and twisted human being. <laughs> it comes naturally. I mean, people say sometimes about like with this book, well, how did you get in the mind of a serial killer? Because yeah. there, there are some chapters that are devoted to... This are from the point of view of the serial killer, but actually, the book is about four women primarily, and on on using dating apps to meet men. Very and, common today. Yeah. Uh, and the and there is a serial killer trolling these sites looking for victims. Uh, the scenes, the chapters from the point of view of the serial killer, were actually the probably the easiest chapters to write because women are much more complicated than serial killers. Serial killers are really very one-dimensional. They are very shallow. They have one basic emotion, which is anger, and they are totally self-absorbed. So it's really, they're not very complicated. One-dimensional. Yeah, you know, whereas women are really complicated. And so um, they're much 
they're more of a challenge, really, the, the, when I had to get into the different women right. in the, and their circumstances. But the serial killer, they're really, <laughs> other than their crimes, not particularly interesting. I'm curious, though, because a lot of your books, there's always that great twist in there. There's always something that you don't expect. Right. So what comes first, then? Is it the, the Does the twist in your, come first in your head and then you build the plot around that, or does it come naturally as you're writing? Um, well, I know what the twist is going to be. I'm not sure, uh, um, and it's evolved. I mean, not all my books actually had a twist, but uh, it sort of seems to have evolved that way a a bit more um, lately. Um, I think I get kind of an an idea, and I know that it's not going to be strictly conventional. I've got to, you know, do something. So once I kind of get the idea and I play with it, well, how how is this going to be interesting, or what can I do that the the reader isn't going to be expecting? expecting. Um, so sometimes the twist, I, I get the twist right away, or I, I think, oh, wouldn't it be interesting to do a book and, and have the reader follow it through thinking one yeah. thing and then sort of put that on its ear. Um, but, and sometimes things develop again as you're going. I always, though, I, I know where I'm going. I think if you're writing any kind of suspense, you have to know your your end point. Otherwise, you can't build toward anything. You have to, you always have to be upping the ante and increasing the tension. And if you don't know where you're going, then you can't do that. So I always know, you know, roughly where I'm headed. Right. I may not know exactly how it's going to happen. Like occasionally it doesn't, you know, I'll be a chapter away from a major twist and I still won't know what it's going to be. And then suddenly I get, oh my God, I have it. But that's the key really, because if I'm not surprised, I can't really expect the reader to be surprised. Oh, that makes sense. Is that what keeps you interested then? Like you've been writing this genre for 30 years. I mean, long before (laughs) Gone Girl, long before Girl on the Train and The Woman at the Window. I know, there are all these girls. Girls, women, this. At least the women are grown up. I know. And and long before all of those books became popular, you have been writing this particular genre. What is it about that that you love so much? Well, I love, I I mean, I find women really interesting. So um, I am what I, what I didn't see a lot of and still don't sometimes is, is in commercial fiction in popular fiction, uh, real believable women. Uh, and and you get a lot of super women or, you know, women who are good at this and they're beautiful and they're rich and they're talented and they solve crimes, you know, like they're, they're just not necessarily the women I know. And the women I know are smart and funny and complicated and, um, you know, neurotic, whatever else. They're fully realized human beings. And so what I wanted to do was tell a story um, about the women I know, and and have readers say, you know, I know her, or I am her. And so that was kind of important to me. And then I like a plot. I like a good, strong plot. I don't want to write, you know, these boring, plotless novels, you know, but <laughs> that go nowhere, and you're just kind of thinking, oh, please let this end. And I, so I want to to sort of frame, put these characters into an interesting story. Right. And make them believable because even if the plot veers into like kind of wild territory that may not 
happen to your everyday woman if you believe the character. If I've done my job and I've created a real believable woman, then you will follow her anywhere and you will care about what happens to her and you it doesn't matter how far-fetched the plot. You know, C. Jane right. Run is about a, a woman who wakes up, well, goes for a walk one day and discovers she can't remember who she is and, and then she sees that her pockets are full of $100 bills and the front of her dress is covered with blood. Well, I don't know how many women have ever experienced that. I'm guessing not many. Not too many. Yeah. And yet I have had women all over the world come up to me and say, you wrote my life. Really? Yes. And it's I And yet th- you're running you're writing these thrillers, these yeah. very kind of twisty suspenseful books. Yeah, because again, you understand with you you get the women. You understand what they're going through. It's, you know, I'm I'm dealing in basic human emotions. So even if the the plot is relatively far-fetched, uh although I don't think they necessarily are, but even if it is the women themselves, you know these women, so you identify with what they're going through. Right. We have all felt um, love. We've all, well, hopefully, we've all felt love. We've felt disappointment. We've felt loneliness. We've felt frustration. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't know who you are. You know, it's like, is, you know, is this my life? How can this be my life? So that, those are the sorts of things uh, that I'm, I'm writing about. What about your research then? Because like your books take place in all different places, all different backgrounds. Like how much research do you do for each novel? How do you decide where something is going to take place? Um, usually I decide on the city according to what city, uh, what setting I think would best serve, serve the story. Oh, interesting. Okay. So uh, I like to move it around just so I don't get bored. The reader doesn't get bored. I mean, there are some writers who are, set every book in the same place. And, you know, it's like Ann Tyler, who I think is a good writer, but I think it's time to get out of Baltimore. You know, it's <laughs> like just, you know, broaden your horizons I was a thinking like bit. Louise Penny as well, right? Like <laughs> oh, she writes Yeah, one she writes in the very, in Quebec, you know, yeah. yeah. And so... I like to move it around. It's a little more interesting for me, and I, I hope the reader. Uh, but then I set the books, depending, again, what the store, what I feel are the demands of the story. Um, sometimes I've set the books in Canada, not too many, because I find the U.S. landscape kind of works better with my books. Uh, so do you city, go to you know, the city? Do you check yeah, it out? Sometimes. Sometimes I have been in the cities. Uh, sometimes I just work through guidebooks, or now the Internet has made research much easier because I'm not a big fan of research. I know there are, yeah, some writers love it. I, to me, it feels too much like homework. So I, I do as much research as I need to, to make the story believable, but I don't do a whole lot. I could rather make it up. So I like to make up. I'm like I'm like Trump. I like to make up my facts. So um, I, I find that I, you know, I, I'll, I'll set it wherever, you know, like Florida. I love setting books in Florida because Why? Florida works on such a, on so many levels. It works just plain, you know, just because there's Florida. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and the weather is always nice. I don't have to worry about snow and seasons stuff. But also it looks idyllic. You know, it looks it like paradise. It's beautiful. But then you look a little closer and there's the alligator and by the, the swamp. There's and the, the poisonous the snake. The, yeah. There's the constant threat of hurricanes. So it's really like there's all this underlying horror just kind of waiting for you. <laughs> do you um, already have an idea of like what your next book is going to be? Like how far in advance do you have ideas percolating in your head? I get, I'm, when I was doing a book a year, and I'm, I think I'm probably going to take a little longer this time uh 
I would sort of almost have one ready as I was finishing one. I would wow. be already starting to think of the next one. After I finished All the Wrong Places, I just thought, you know what, I feel like a little break. So I kind of took it easy, and I'm just now starting to, uh, I've put together a, a very short outline, and uh, I'll... Is that what you usually the do then, you work on, work from an outline? I like to get, I like to do it. Somebody, uh, an old agent actually once said to me, do an outline, and it was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, because it helps you organize your thoughts. You don't have to do, you know, they can be anywhere from like two pages to 12 pages, whatever. And it can be as, it's mostly plot. A little bit about who the characters are and then this is the basic story. But um, I don't I don't do as much in the way of an outline as I used to. I, I just get the basic, like the beginning, the end, right. uh, maybe something, something crucial that has to happen kind of midway. And then kind of a few interesting things that I know are going to happen. It. But Part of the fun of writing is just not knowing what you're going to do from day to day, just sitting down and see, see what happens. How many hours a day do you write? Is there, do you just, whatever uh, works? I, when I'm working on a book, it's usually a minimum of three to four hours a day. Uh, I find four hours is really optimum. After that, my brain kind of gets a little fuzzy. Yeah, I can see that. And, uh, but if I have a whole day to work, then sometimes I'll, I'll work for maybe like the whole day. I'll take little breaks, but... Um, I usually try and work in the morning and then save the afternoon for, you know, errands and all that regular everyday stuff. stuff. Yeah. The, pe- the stuff that the people in your books don't do. <laughs> oh, no, they do it. They do it. <laughs> While they're also going through all this yes, other stuff trauma. in there. Uh, Joy Fielding's latest book is called All the Wrong Places. It is available now. Check it out. I know what I'm going to be doing tonight. Joy, thank you so much for joining oh, us. My pleasure.